0: Welcome to The Howler, your weekly look into the state of Wolfpack Athletics. Now let's go to your hosts, Chris Lehman and Drew Blevins.
1: Hi there and welcome back into The Howler. It is Wednesday night once again and this is a very special broadcast of The Howler. It is our first televised edition. Hello and welcome. I'm Drew Blevins alongside of my co-host Chris Lehman here. Unfortunately, this week we do not have a guest to show you on camera. We had a couple of cancellations that halted those plans. Make no worries, though, sports fans. We will have another one with us on next week's edition, and it will be somebody from the football team as NC State football will prepare to take on the North Carolina Tar Heels. But before we get on to the gridiron, we're going to start on the hardwoods and what a disappointing weekend it was. NC State drops their men's opening home basketball game to the William and Mary Tribe by a deficit of 17. This was not a good start for NC State. They were able to secure a victory over the South Alabama Jaguars on Sunday but Chris we start on Friday night. There's a lot of hype about this game. There's some Fairly disillusioned fans, I would say, that think NC State has a shot at doing something in the ACC this year. And honestly, this
0: is nothing more than a giant disappointment, in my opinion. Uh, I, th- I think people are overreacting right now to the way that game went. I mean, you look at Terry Henderson gets hurt in that game, so NC State very quickly loses a starter. And when that happens, especially the first game of the year, when you have some guys like Caleb Martin who don't usually play that much, who are now being thrown into the fire, and he already was, but now he has to step up and really kind of take over the scoring role that Terry Henderson was supposed to. And I'd have to say he's done a pretty darn good job of that. 21 points in the game against William & Mary, 19 against South Alabama, so I, he's averaging right now 20 points a game. You can't really argue with that too much. Malik Abu steps up as well, 17 points. And then Maverick Roland off the bench. He comes in and does really well, 16, gets the start in the South Alabama game, and then puts up 15. There are a lot of guys on this team who are contributing – And I like that, actually. I am actually very happy to see that because something that I've noticed about Mark Gottfried's teams is they're never at their best at the beginning of the year. They are at the peak when it comes time to hit that ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament, and that's why I'm very excited about this team because they started out at a higher level, I think, than we've seen some of these these teams start out in the past couple of years. I mean, we'll get to the
1: offense here in a second, but – What is most concerning to me is when I look down the scoreline for William & Mary, Daniel Dixon, 19 points. Omar Pruitt, 17 points. Terry Tarpey, 11 points. Everybody that got on the floor for William & Mary scored except for Michael Schlottman. And not only did they score, but they had two points Or more. NC State was non-existent on defense and as a result they give up 85 points to William and Mary and it's very difficult at any stage in the season to be able to score more than 85 at the collegiate level. Do we attribute this to William and Mary shooting lights out? I mean you look at them they shot 52 percent from the field 31 for 60 from behind the arc 41 percent at nine for 22 or do we attribute this to a lack of NC State skill on the defensive side of the basketball?
0: I think you kind of have to take this game with with a grain of salt. First of all, we have to wait and see what William & Mary does. Last year, they make the NCAA tournament win their conference, so I don't think that this is a bad team. And I think people severely underestimated William & Mary coming into this game. And then when Terry Henderson gets hurt, that throws your whole game plan off, and specifically, it throws off your defense. Because when it comes to offense, you know there are some chemistry issues a little bit, but really what you're looking for is someone to plug in who can go fill in the points that were lost. On defense, it's not the same thing. It has to be someone who can fit into the system and work well, and so I think that was part of the problem is they couldn't quite get that defense together after Henderson got hurt. But then you look at the next game against South Alabama, and I think they're not nearly as good as William & Mary, but NC State holds them to 31.5% from the field, 34% from behind the arc. So I think they did a much better job against South Alabama, and I think as the season continues on, that defense will get better, and especially once Terry Henderson comes back and can fill in and that team can really get back to 100 percent I think we'll really see a good squad when we hit the turn of the year and Henderson will be back sometime in the realm of the end of December
1: and the beginning of January once ACC play starts it does take him out for a couple of key matchups especially most notably against Arizona State and Michigan as well as the rest of the non-conference slate for the most part but you talked about offense in your opening statements I look at this statistic 27 for 71 shooting against William & Mary. 29 for 57 shooting against South Alabama. That William & Mary game where they're get, where they only shooting 38% from the field, 16 offensive rebounds. So it's not like they're not following the shot. It's not the fact that they're not being able to generate opportunities offensively. It's that they're just not making buckets. Now, do we attribute this to... Trevor Lacey and Ralston Turner leaving. Ralston Turner was cold as ice during the second semester portion of the season last year. Trevor Lacey was cool really throughout all of the season with a couple of bad games here and there. But Cat Barber against William & Mary, 11 points, 4 for 16 shooting. Caleb Martin is the floor leader in scoring with 21 points, 8 for 17 shooting. Abdul Malik Abu goes 8 for 16 with 17 points. Those are your main scores. We do want to highlight Maverick Rwan, though, 16 points as well, but Anya, 3 points. Cody Martin, none. Henderson, none. Freeman, none. This is a basketball team that literally had scoring from 5 players, and Anya only had 3 points, a 2-point bucket, and one from the free throw line that is atrocious that is a problem that needs to be fixed
0: and what is the step that you have to take to be able to fix that I think you just have to keep playing through it this is what NC State does every year and you, you list off BJ Anya but BJ Anya's in there to block shots and get rebounds he's not there for points so you know he hits that bucket against LSU last year and I think some people thought you know maybe he's more of an offensive threat than he actually is and he he really isn't there for points Terry Henderson again, he got hurt early on in that game, so the fact that he gets no points isn't too much of, su- of a surprise. We have absolutely no idea, really, what he can do because before that, we only saw him in one other game. So I think there are a lot of pieces now that are kind of missing, in particular Terry Henderson, and we'll have to wait and see where he fits into the offense when he comes back. But as of right now, I, I don't think it's too bad. I think you're getting scoring out of the people you expected to get scoring, and even a little bit more, Rowan, who's got 31 points in the first two games, Caleb Martin, who's got 40. You're looking at guys that did not score at all, if any, last year, in particular with Caleb Martin, but I think you just have to wait with this team. I think that's a lot of it, as frustrating as that can be for NC State fans and fans in general to wait for this team to get better, but that's what's going to have to happen because, as you mentioned, you lose – some of your key offensive pieces in Trevor Lacey and Ralston Turner. You also lose Kyle Washington, who was a great role player as a big man who could come in and give you valuable minutes, as well as stretch the defense a little bit because he did have some range. So you lost a lot, and I think NC State's still trying to figure out how to put that together, and it's set back now that Terry Henderson has lost. And to the Wolfpack's credit, they did turn it
1: around against South Alabama, as you mentioned, looking down the stat line here. They out rebound the Jags. 47-42 47 to 42 dominating on the defensive glass, out rebounding South Alabama 37 to 24. They lost the battle on the defensive glass against the tribe. And again, against South Alabama, it is an 88 to 70 victory in favor of the Wolfpack. They are back in action Wednesday night against the Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis Jaguars. Start time of that game is seven PM. Wednesday so we'll have more analysis of NC State basketball coming up for you on the next episode again Drew Blevins alongside Chris Lehman this is the Howler no guest this week due to a couple of cancellations but nonetheless we are here and still talking about NC State sports and now we move from the hardwood back onto the gridiron, which has been our focal point for really the majority of this semester because football is the sport in season. And we head down to Tallahassee where NC State had a 17-7 lead in this football game at one point. And after that, Florida State reels off nothing but unanswered points, beating the Wolfpack 34-17. to Chris, NC State was not favored in this game, so let's go ahead and just get that out right off the bat. But the fact of the matter is, you were up 17-7 and couldn't score the rest of the football game. That's a problem, and that's a problem that we've seen really all year for NC State. They try to keep up with Clemson in scoring, and they had a couple of cold spots in that game. Boston College, while it was a win, it was scoring in spots, only a 24-8 victory Against Wake Forest, you go up by a ton, 28 to 0 in the first quarter, and then let off the gas all the way through the remaining three quarters. Why can't the Wolfpack play a full four quarters of football, and is this a problem?
0: Well, as as far as Saturday goes, I think it's about sustainability, and this is something I emphasized all week last week, was you have to play a sustainable game if you're NC State, and that's exactly what they didn't do. They came out guns blazing. It was great to watch them come out and just fire off 17 points and take a lead into the second quarter down in Tallahassee, but it wasn't something that they could keep up. And you look at the turnovers as well. They forced two turnovers in that first quarter, and they go on to force three more after that. This has to be probably the best defensive effort that we've seen, but offensively they didn't have a sustainable game plan, and I don't think it was all on the players and on the coaches. I think part of it was they're just outmatched, and to be able to play at that level where they can stay with and beat a team of Florida State's caliber the entire way is just something that this team isn't capable of. I mean, the
1: good news is is NC State was able to contain Dalvin Cook, if you can use that word, only 138 yards, which is slightly below his season average per game. The catch to that is they do allow him to score in the red zone a couple of TDs with a long of 30. You look offensively, though, and I think that's where I at least had the biggest problem. Jacoby Brissett passing, 27 for 47. Can't fault him there. Only 209 yards for one touchdown. And again, we go down the receiving list. And we look, 28 yards receiving, 63, 28, 46, 19, 11, 9, 9, 5. It's not like NC State is able to move the football down the field at will after a certain point in the football game, because at least a couple of those receivers should have been going over 100 yards. We've talked about the problems in the rushing game, NC State rushing, by the way, 79 yards against the Seminoles, but... There's some sort of offensive anemia here that is keeping NC State below 24 points in ACC play, with the exception of that Wake Forest game and the exception of the Clemson game. And to me, that's a little bit disappointing, because it seemed like the strong point for this football team, when they were healthy, when they had all their players at their disposal, was going to be offense. And yet, right now, it seems like NC State is having major issues putting the ball in the end zone, and when you look at a Syracuse team that boasts an incredible defense, and you look at a North Carolina team that boasts an incredible offense, now back-to-back weeks where they've scored more than 50 points, it's very tough to make the case that NC State can win both of those football games if either of those football games, if they're scoring somewhere down
0: in the high teens and a low twenties. Well, I think what you have to look at with NC State is, what you said, when they were healthy, and they are not anymore, and they will not be for the rest of the season. Matt Days is out, Shadback Thornton is gone, so that's why there's 80 rushing, 80 rushing yards. There is very little that NC State can do at this point. All you can hope for is that you can ride the passing game enough to get you through this season, and maybe, if you're lucky, steal a win against Carolina, because that is going to be a very, very challenging game, but... I, don't, I think it's hard to fault this team. I think they come out and they do exactly what they're supposed to. They quiet the crowd with 17 points in the first quarter. They just couldn't do that the rest of the game. They did everything that they could, I feel like. It was a good effort from this team. They just didn't quite stack up against Florida State. That's the bottom line. If you're not as good as this team, you're not going to beat them. That's how, it, that's how it is. And if Florida State comes out and plays their game like they did, they'll win, and they did. But I think the biggest question now for NC State is they are
1: bowl eligible. And when it was Boston College game, we we talked about you want to go ahead and win that game. That's your best shot to get bowl eligible by far, with three games remaining at that point. Does this NC State team, tired, weary, and beaten, do they have a win left in the tank? Do they have two wins left in the tank? Or is this just settling for a 6-6 six and six season
0: and hoping to scrape by and get a fortunate invite to a bowl game? I'm not sure that I would say that they're scraping by by any means, and I think they have more left in the tank than just one or two wins. I could see them winning out and ending the season very well. It's just a matter of if they can figure out the offense. That's the big problem because their defense right now is very good. Nine turnovers in the last two games, four against Boston College, Five against Florida State. That included three interceptions. That is big. We were talking about the secondary how they've been a little bit under well, the radar.
1: Okay, th- and that's the other thing. Is the secondary really that great? Or was it the fact of the matter that Everett Golson has been an overrated quarterback who hasn't faced a great defense in quite some time, and when he faces a moderately good defense, he throws right into coverage because you turned it around to Sean McGuire, who throws one and has a couple touchdowns to go with it, and has 231 passing yards, 18 for 28. To me, that doesn't stack up for some reason. I, I think the secondary gave a good effort, but... I think a lot of that goes on Golson, who hasn't made great decisions since leaving Notre Dame and getting to Florida State.
0: I think part of that still has to go to the secondary. They were doing their job, and they forced the turnovers. That's how it's... You look at it on paper, they're they're nine turnovers. They've done their job. I think that they continue to get better, and especially this week against a weak Syracuse team, I don't think they're going to have a problem. Same with the offense. I think the offense will rebound. They've been playing against some tough defensive teams, like Clemson, Boston College, and Florida State. You're looking at three, not just three of the best defenses in the ACC, three of the best defenses in the country. And so you're coming off that, and now you're going to play against a Syracuse team who is nowhere near that level. Now, they have played with some very good teams. LSU, they Clemson. held... The they have play. Clemson to a 10-point deficit. And Florida State was also a fairly close game for the most part. So they can play with people, but they're nowhere near as good as the teams that NC State has played against. I don't see Syracuse being a problem. The big thing is going to be finding a way to shut down Marcus Williams against Carolina in next week's match. Well,
1: and what it may come down to, and this would not surprise me if If Larry Fedora does this, Carolina has to win one out of their last two games to make the ACC championship game to effectively win the Coastal, not have to worry about Pittsburgh. Duke is pretty much effectively out of it with their loss to Pitt last week. But if they win against Virginia Tech, I wouldn't be surprised if Larry Fedora isn't necessarily so pushed to play Marquise Williams the entire game, to play Ryan Switzer the whole game, because he knows that there's absolutely no way that Carolina's going to the college football playoff. They came out ranked 17th, which was quite a low blow if you look at their record compared to other teams in the country. I mean, they, they've they had a weak schedule, sure. Their schedule is They're Two weak. FCS teams and a loss there. to South Carolina is very difficult to swallow if you're Jeff Long and the rest of that playoff committee. But, I mean... I think that's, that's a good way to wrap up our football talk is, no, you don't want to overlook Syracuse because I do think there's a little bit of trouble to reckon with. You need to make sure that you're scoring, scoring early, and scoring often because they are so solid on defense. It's the offense that should be fairly easy to shut down if you're uh, the defense for NC State. But you look and go ahead to this North Carolina game, how much emphasis do you put on this Qs game in the context that you're preparing to play Big Blue when they come to Raleigh next Saturday? And how much of that do you have to prepare for the fact that you could very well be blown out of your own stadium or that you have
0: a shot to keep your arch rival out of the ACC championship game? Well, first of all, when it comes to this week, there's plenty to focus on this week. We're in the gray, oh, yeah. jer- we're in the gray jerseys this week. New Jersey's coming out. It's going to look good. It's going to be hype in the stadium. Everyone's going to be excited for that. It's their uh, they're appreci- uh, Memorial – well, not Memorial Day, but appreci- uh, Veterans... Military Thanks. Appreciation because Military of Veterans Day this month, yes. Veterans Day. They're celebrating that. There's plenty of stuff going on this weekend to focus on to keep their minds off of that North Carolina game. And I frankly don't see this one being a problem because I think they know at six wins, if you really want to go somewhere... Because when these guys are thinking about bowl games, if you're not going to the college football playoff or a BCS bowl, they want to go somewhere that's going to be some fun, somewhere that will be a well, cool and, place and to big- go. The biggest place they could possibly
1: look at going, I think, right now is either Charlotte in the Belk Bowl, which would be against a fairly competitive SEC team, or you look at going to play in Yankee Stadium for the New Era Pinstripe Bowl. Either one of those games is going to take seven wins for the Belk Bowl, probably eight. So that, that's what you're looking at there.
0: Exactly. They know that if they want to go to a bowl game that they really want to go to and not one that they were just invited to and they kind of have to go to, they have to win another game. And they know that the best chance and the first chance is Syracuse. So I don't see that being a problem. But – it's a North Carolina game that really could be a problem in their offense. And we will talk a whole lot more about that on the Howard next week. I mean, that North
1: Carolina game, Not again, not to overlook Syracuse, because you do need to focus on getting that win first. But that North Carolina game is a good game to make an impact, to make a good impression on these bigger bowl selectors, if you will because that's where you're going to show, yep, we can play with those big dogs. Yep, we are going to be competitive, and we can give you a good football game. But we will step off the gridiron now, and we will step onto the frozen pond. NC State hockey, how do we put this? Had a tremendous week. I mean, absolutely outstanding. I'm not going to lie, it was a very, very late night on Friday. 10.30 p.m., slated puck drop, more like a 10.50 start. The third period began at 12.18 a.m., But the time of day did not matter for NC State. They were able to dispose of the Panthers 11-3. They come back home and absolutely drub the Charlotte 49ers 12-2. NC State, again, effectively now in the ACCHL tournament, has effectively won the Carolina division in the ACCHL, which is tremendous because there's still half of the conference schedule remaining. But, Chris... If we summarize this weekend, I think all we have to look at is 23 goals for, five goals against. Is that really how good NC State
0: is this year now, 13-1-0? Well, the surprising thing about this weekend is there was a lot to take away for NC State and a lot to improve on because I know head coach Mike Gazilla wasn't necessarily happy with the way his team played. And They come out, and for the second time in a row on the road on a Friday night, start slow against high point of all teams who has not won a game yet this year. They go down 3 to nothing. They bounce back very well, don't get me wrong. 11 straight goals. Well, and is, they, they
1: were able to tie it before the end of the first period too.
0: Yeah, and and to put up eleven goals and especially eleven goals without giving one up is impressive enough. So they come back and do a great job. They show who they really are and they finish off the game and win like they're supposed to. They do the same thing the next night. Now they don't start slow. They do the same thing in terms of they put wake they. I'm just gonna, sorry, <laughs> losing my words. They blooper reel. They do a, a great job the next night handling their opponent and really just taking care of business again, but. They take a lot of penalties in that one, and that's something I know that Coach was not happy with, and that's something when you get to the ACCHL tournament and possibly regionals because NC State is still in that spot where they could move on past just the ACCHL postseason tournament and into the ACHA regionals, and that's something that would be a huge step for this team. They have to keep winning. So they have to, despite running away with just about every league game that they have, they have to look at what they're doing wrong because if they do get out of the ACCHL and into regionals, it's going to be a lot different competition and it's going to be a lot tougher.
1: Mike Gazzillo is a very hard coach to please, and when you just look at the Brooklyn nature, his saying of Southern hockey with a Brooklyn accent, I mean, NC State went out and played their brand of hockey, but... They only played it in the second half of hockey games, and that is a little bit discouraging. Against High Point, it's not so difficult because the Panthers are new to the ACCHL and aren't quite ready for the rigor of this conference's competition. But you look at Charlotte, who has been consistently playing good teams, another new member to the ACCHL, but much more prepared for the competition, and they hung tough with NC State for about 30 minutes in that hockey game, and then it just seemed like once one went in on Daniel Ritter – Everything else was to follow. Tyler said he had some tremendous moves to get it to Thomas Chapman. Sam Banishevitz has a few. Uh, Garrett Sunda has a few. Simon Lecter has a couple. I mean, but while it is great to have a 9 and 10 goal win, respectively, is this a problem for NC
0: State that they're having issues starting the game well in the early going? No, and I think part of it is, and something we haven't talked about yet is uh, Mike Gazzella did a lot of changing around of the lines. That's something you and I talked about during the game against Charlotte on Saturday. Is there were a lot of different lines going on. So I think when you get back, and, and a couple of problems with injuries as well. Will Bieberdorf was out this week for NC State. So they're shifting around a lot of lines, and they were changing and trying a lot of different things. So really, the only one, uh, the only game where they started slow that really I'm concerned. Concerned about was that UNCW game a couple of weeks ago. That's just one game. I think once they get back to having those normal lines, that normal rotation, they'll go back to what we saw at the beginning of the year where it was a consistent 60-minute effort, and I think they'll be just fine.
1: NC State will next take the ice this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in the Queen City of Charlotte, North Carolina. They will be taking on the Charlotte 49ers in what effectively works as a home-and-home series. This game does not count toward ACCHL standings. They will follow it up against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, who are 4-6-0 in the season, and will finish it out on Sunday morning morning against the Richmond Spiders who are 0 8 and 0 on the year that will wrap it up for NC State hockey and now we come back to a team that has really been the biggest enigma the biggest surprise and ultimately the biggest disappointment for NC State sports this season and that's the men's soccer team this was a team that played so incredibly well in the ACC gave a great effort And everybody on this campus was expecting them to make the NCAA tournament. But when the bracket comes out on Monday afternoon, the Wolfpack are notably left off. I mean, I say biggest disappointment, but mostly that comes because of the ultimate result. There is no extra postseason beyond the ACC tournament for NC State. But nonetheless, this is really a stab right in the gut if you're the Wolfpack. Because that's
0: got to hurt a little bit because you thought you did enough and ultimately you didn't. Oh, well, you have to look at what you did at the end of the season. You look at the last four ACC games for the Wolfpack, they lose them. The only game that they win of their last five is Appalachian State, and Appalachian State's just not an impressive win. They built an impressive resume up to that last about month of the season, but they let off, and they, I think part of it was they ran out of energy. They aren't used to being in the situation where they are having – to throw it all on the line every time they go out there because if they don't, they don't have a chance to make the tournament. And I think that was part of the problem. But I think it was a good building block this year. There are a lot of guys that they'll have coming back who contributed this year. Big spot to fill with Macaulay leaving net the net, so a little bit of uncertainty. But I think you have to understand how the season ended, and they weren't playing well enough frankly at the end of the season to make the tournament and that's how it ended up. I
1: mean ultimately though,
0: it's a good resume.
1: Is it a justified decision by the tournament committee to leave NC State off? I'm going to say it is because this is such a very competitive ACC conference and ultimately NC State had one outright win in it. One outright win in it. 3 losses, 3 ties. Soccer is the only sport where tying a game is considered great, good. You were able to hang. You were able to make sure that the other team didn't win. But ultimately, at the end of the day, one conference win isn't going to get you very far in any sport. So as tough as it is to swallow, I do think this is justified because there are so many other ACC teams that are at the top of the national rankings that have to eat up the ACC slots. And as tough as it is to admit and as great as it would have been to see the Wolfpack get into the NCAA tournament –
0: it just didn't look like to me from the get go that they fit quite in oh i can look at their their record and immediately tell you that they weren't good enough to make this tournament 8 6 and 3 an okay record that's on the bubble then you look at seven other ACC teams already in the tournament when you go one four and three in conference that doesn't look good then you look at them on the road and in neutral sites a combined two five and one that's not a good record and that's something that the committee looks at and puts emphasis on because you're not always going to be playing at home in the tournament so I think it was a very easy decision for them to leave the Wolfpack off that list.
1: Well, that's going to wrap it up for our coverage of NC State sports this week, but we're not quite finished as we will head to our Pick'Em segment, one of my personal favorites. It's a short list this week. It's not exactly one of those humdinger weeks in sports, but nonetheless, an important one nonetheless. The standings right now, I am leading my co-host Chris Lehman by a count of 11-10. With three games this week, we will see if he will be able to at least tie or overtake me of the lead. And we start on the gridiron with two ACC games that have big impacts, and we'll start close to home as the Syracuse Orange come to town to take on the NC State Wolfpack.
0: Chris, who you got in that one? I think that's an easy one. NC State is is just a better football team. I don't think that Syracuse has looked very good. As a matter of fact, they've lost seven consecutive games. I'd say they lose eight, eight straight, and NC State wins.
1: Orange doesn't have much to play for. No postseason for them this year. I'm going to go with the Wolfpack as well, but it's going to be a whole lot closer than people think. That Syracuse defense may cause some trouble for Jacoby Brissett and company on offense. And we will head up to our neighbors to the north, Virginia. Virginia. Blacksburg is a huge location for collegiate football. Frank Beamer coaching in his last home game as he will retire at the end of the year, and he has got a doozy of an opponent trying to keep the North Carolina Tar Heels out of the coastal portion of the ACC championship game. Does Beamer ball and Beamer defense get it done against a very potent North Carolina offense?
0: I think they do. I think Virginia Tech's a little bit better than their record at 5-5. Five and five. We've seen them play with some pretty darn good teams. And I think that they're a very good opponent for North Carolina, I think they're going to win this game because it is Frank Beamer's last game in Lane Stadium. That's a hard place to play without that scenario, so it's going to be even harder because you're going to have former players there supporting, you're going to have a great crowd because there's a huge following for Beamer, and then just all that compiled together for this team to have this chance, I think Virginia Tech comes away with a win.
1: You know, I wish I could agree with you, I really do, but North Carolina has hung over over 50 points on both of their opponents in the past two weeks. Miami has been a very disappointing football team. Duke has not shaped out to be what we thought they were going to be. But the fact of the matter stands that this offense is very hard for any defense in the country to keep up on. I have North Carolina winning out. And believe it or not, if I had to pick right now, I think North Carolina is the team to beat Clemson and knock them out of the college football playoff. Crazier things have happened, but I have the Tar Heels over the Virginia Tech Hokies. And finally, we will move from Saturday football to Sunday football. Chris, quick pick them real quick. Cincinnati, one loss. Arizona, two loss.
0: Big game, Sunday night football on NBC. Tough one to pick, though. Oh, it's a really tough one to pick. Arizona comes off a huge win in Seattle and a deflating loss for the Bengals this week. So they're both in kind of a limbo situation. You don't know how they're going to come out and play. But I'm going to go with Arizona. I think Arizona's a little bit better defensively, and they'll match up well against Cincinnati.
1: Bruce Arians
0: is an outstanding defensive coach down there in Arizona. The Cardinals are a
1: great football team, but I think Andy Dalton has his eyes on a whole lot bigger picture, including perhaps a run to the AFC Championship game where they most likely would be looking at facing somebody like the New England Patriots if they can get by the Denver Broncos in what is shaping up to be one of their opening round playoff matches. I think the Bengals are going to win this one and get right back on track. With the Bengals' loss this week against the Texans, the Panthers and the Patriots are the only undefeated teams in the NFL. Carolina will tangle with the Washington Redskins at home this weekend, and the New England Patriots will host Monday Night Football at Gillette Stadium against division rival the Buffalo Bills. That's going to wrap it up this week for The Howler. Signing off for Chris Lehman and our technical producer Logan Sims. I'm Drew Blevins. You have just been given the state of Wolfpack Athletics. We hope that you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We'll have one more episode coming up before the holiday break but nonetheless we hope that you've enjoyed this one and we will see you next week.
0: Thanks for listening to The Howler, a service of Wolfpack Sports Television. Find out more at go.ncsu.edu slash sports.